This is Ryan Reviews the Universe, bringing you the best takes of the best times for you, the best people. And after a long and unnecessary maybe break, I think I'm back to restarting the pod. It's been around a year since the last episode, and I'm really missing that feeling of speaking into Mike and then editing out every time I say um, which happens a lot. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Anyways, this is the... This is the pre-World Cup pod as it starts today, uh, the 20th of November 2022, with a kickoff between Ecuador and Qatar, who are the hosts of this edition's tournament. By the time this episode airs, I'm pretty sure the game will be either just underway or just wrapped up. Um, anyways, I'll go through every group within the World Cup, pick out which two teams I think will advance to the next stage, and then maybe highlight some important players or storylines for each team. And then, as it is Thanksgiving, I'll be doing a ranking of my top five favorite Thanksgiving side dishes. But before I get to that, the elephant in the room should probably be addressed. I, I love soccer. It's by far my favorite sport, and that opinion is shared by the majority of the globe. The world breathes football. And for that exact reason, some nations utilize the goodwill created by the sport to portray themselves in a more favorable light. This World Cup is essentially that. It's a sports-washing campaign by the Qatari government, marred by accusations of corruption and human rights abuses. So I feel if I'm going to cover and generally be excited about the game I love, I should also talk about what's sketchy about a World Cup in Doha. So ever since the World Cup was awarded to Qatar back in, I think, 2010, there were almost immediately accusations of foul play. I mean, Qatar just does not make sense as a World Cup host. It's around 50 miles long, and during the summer, temperatures regularly reach around 100 degrees. The entire football calendar had to be changed in order to move it to winter so that people would not drop dead of heat exhaustion. In addition, there was literally no infrastructure for the stadiums, fan zones, hotels, and everything else that would eventually be necessary for the tournament. And Qatar has a so-so relationship with alcohol, and Budweiser is one of FIFA's biggest sponsors out there. Um, looking into it, there have been allegations of vote swapping between Russia, who won the 2018 bid, and Qatar. Qatar also opened lavish footballing academies in the backyards of many of the countries on FIFA's executive committee, which is the body that ultimately decides who gets the World Cup. But perhaps one of the more damning things was Qatargate, and that was a massive conflict of interest scandal that started with Qatar's sovereign wealth fund buying French club Paris Saint-Germain, or PSG, immediately after winning the bid for the tournament. In addition, Al Jazeera, which is Qatar's state media, shelled out a cool $650 million for the TV rights for the French Football League just six months after Qatar won the World Cup. The issue with this is that prior to the World Cup vote, Nicolas Sarkozy, who was the French president at the time, arranged just a casual lunch with Michel um, Platini, who's a member of FIFA's executive committee, and Sheikh Hamad bin Khalifa Al Thani, um, the emir, the head of state of Qatar. During that meeting, it's alleged that Platini was asked by Sarkozy and Al Thani to vote for the Qatari bid, and in exchange, the Qataris would invest in French football. Platini denies these allegations, so... FIFA did an investigative report on Qatargate, headed by a former U.S. District Attorney named Michael Garcia. And Garcia goes and does his investigation, hands it to FIFA, who then refuses to release the final report, instead offering a highly redacted, censored summation, which causes Garcia to resign in protest, claiming that they're grossly misrepresenting his findings. Irregardless, though, of any bribery that may have occurred, there are still significant human rights issues at play here. All that infrastructure that had to be built by migrant workers from various countries in Africa and Asia, and then when they would get to the Qatar, their passports were often confiscated by their employers, effectively holding them hostage in Qatar, as that would prevent them from leaving the country. Working conditions were subpar at best, and according to a report from The Guardian, more than 6,500 workers died constructing what would become the World Cup stadiums and hotels. The Qatari government insists that the death toll is around 37, um, but obviously they have a, a vested interest in their own positive publicity. 
And then there are the worries for the LGBTQ community. Um, homosexuality is illegal in Qatar. And not even two weeks ago, Qatar's World Cup ambassador called it a damage of the mind. As such, there have been worries about the safety of members of the LGBTQ community if they decide to go to um, Qatar. But apparently it's all fine and good because uh, FIFA President Infantino, a uh, man of immense tact and subtlety, said um, yesterday, literally yesterday, quote, I feel like a Qatari today. I feel Arab today. I feel African today. I feel gay today. I feel disabled today. I feel like a migrant worker. End quote. And then he went on to say that he feels the same discrimination as all those groups because he was bullied for his red hair and freckles as a kid. I'm sorry, but if your childhood is not equivalent to lesbian and gay people fearing for their life in Qatar or the pain of families who have suffered losses to build your tournament. It's just not the same. And you know, this is, this is FIFA's fault. You think a governing body's job is to ensure that their biggest tournament goes off without a hitch, perhaps in a place that makes sense and is welcoming to the most fans, but instead FIFA's run like a cartel. And honestly, I have not even scratched the surface of how corrupt they are. This iceberg goes deep. But money talks, and money was spent. Reportedly, $229 billion was spent on this World Cup. And just for clarification's sake, the second most expensive World Cup was Brazil, 2014, which cost $15 billion. I'm trying to do the math real quick in my head here, and I think that's like at least 13 or 14 times more expensive than the second most expensive World Cup. I, I really I really hate FIFA. I really hate that organization. Who's, it's like their sole mission. It seems to be to suck every bit of enjoyment out of the sport I love. But, I mean, here I am, excited to see Messi's last dance, worried about the U.S. men's team's chances, and desperately hoping that a dark horse shocks the world, maybe Denmark or Senegal. I'm a hypocrite, but at least I know I'm one. And if you want to do more research uh, and or want to see a more in-depth explanation of the history, foreign policy, and political background of the World Cup, I can't recommend enough Tifo Football's The Guitar World Cup Explained video series on YouTube. And then David Squires, who's one of the cartoonists for The Guardian, has done an excellent job of covering what's been going on from a migrant worker's standpoint as well. I'll try and link these along with some Guardian and NYT articles I used as research in the description of today's podcast so with uh with maybe a little bit of guilt lifted from my shoulders let's start talking about the world cup and with group a ecuador it's their fourth world cup and their best performance is just been to get out of groups to reach the last 16 rather um they are a young team, and that means that they're going to be quick, but their weakness perhaps is they are not as big of an offensive threat as perhaps their youth would suggest that they might be. Um, players to watch out for include their captain, Ener Valencia, um, he's 33 years old from Fenerbahce. He's um, one of the most expensive Ecuadorian players ever sold um, in the transfer market. Moises Casado is currently playing for Brighton in the English Premier League. He's pretty darn good. And then I also like Michel Estrada from Cruz Azul. Um, he, he will also be the guy. If you see someone on the score sheet, it might be Estrada. Let's go to the Netherlands. Netherlands, ultimately, I think they are going to win Group A outright. They are currently uh, headed by Louis van Gaal. Um, a little bit of injuries have plagued the squad, but not that bad. Their star player is Virgil van Dijk of Liverpool, one of the best defenders in the world right now. Um, Urien Timber is another great defender from Ajax. Speaking of which, in, in the Dutch league, there are essentially two clubs who are taking the lion's share of representation on the Dutch squad. 
and that's Ajax, and that's PSV. Or um, I, I I know they're from Eindhoven. I don't I forget what P S stands for. Anyways, besides the point, Nathan Ake from Man City, also pretty darn good. Uh, Frankie De Jong of Barcelona. Uh, we could also probably expect to see Frankie De Jong move away from Barcelona within the next year or so. Um, Cody Gapko of PSV. And Memphis Depay also of Barcelona. I don't think that he's that great at the moment, but I he, he plays better with the national team than he does with this club. I will say that. The Dutch have a good squad. I, I would put them, like if we're doing a ranking from like S tier to like F tier, so like S, A, B, C, D, E, F, I'll probably put them at an A. They will probably make a splash, but I don't think that they will win the tournament as a whole. Qatar, um, it's their first World Cup. A lot of these guys are all from Al Saad. Um, which is one of the big Middle Eastern clubs. And they've also got the familiarity. Qatar has this um, youth sports facility called Inspire, and a bunch of these players have grown up together playing at Inspire at this national youth development camp essentially since they were in their teens and younger than that even. Um, I don't know that many Qatari players. I, I've been told that Akram Afif is um, the guy we should be looking out for on the score sheets. But um, Qatar probably also won't advance, similar to Ecuador. I... I they're not exactly a joke squad. They did win the Asia Games back in 2000. I forget whether that was 2020 or 2018. But the Netherlands and the next team that I'll be covering are simply in a different class, a different weight class, as you will, than Qatar is. And that last team is Senegal. Senegal is hands down the best team in Africa. They've got a little bit of injury issues. Sadio Mane is currently injured, but they've got um, someone who we'll talk about in a hot second who I'm totally not biased about. Um, let's, let's start off with goalkeepers first. They've got Edouard Mendy, who is one of the goalkeepers for Chelsea. He's pretty great. Koulibaly is also on Chelsea, but he was probably maybe better at Napoli. Uh, that's besides the point. Um, they've got a good defense. They've got a good um, midfield with Andrisa Ganagay, Papa Gay, um, Papa Mantarsar, uh, Kanyate, Mendy. Um, and then their forwards include a certain Ismail Asar, who plays for my club, Watford. I am 90% sure he's the only player from Watford who got called up for the World Cup in any national team. And he is just really, really fun to watch. He's 24 years old, and he's been an asset for Watford. And during that 2021 AFCON tournament, he was decisive in making, um, getting Senegal that win. I, I, in this group, I think Netherlands wins it, and I think that Senegal comes in second. So Group B, um, let's start off with England. England's coach is Gareth Southgate. Um, I was initially pretty mad with Gareth Southgate's uh, picks for who he would send to the World Cup. I thought that he made a mistake by not sending my guy Ivan Tony. And then literally the next day after the World Cup squad gets announced, Ivan Tony is... Um, under massive investigations for improper betting on apps and whatnot. I don't know whether it's match-fixing, but it's not looking good for the guy, so yikes. Uh, Jordan Pickford is their goalkeeper. Uh, I don't rate him as much as I do Aaron Ramsdale, who is the goalkeeper at Arsenal right now, 
But Jordan Pickford is a very good goalkeeper in his own right. He got them to the um, Euro finals. Um, the last time the Euros were held, they have a bunch of good right backs, but some of them are injured. I would keep an eye on Kieran Trippier. Harry Maguire um, seems to do better in international play than he does club play. He, he'll have a point to prove and a chip on his shoulder after maybe a, a rocky start at Manchester United this season. Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, Mason Mount, Jude Bellingham, James Madison, and Connor Gallagher just account for an absolutely stacked midfielder. Um, I really like Jude Bellingham. He is the only player on the English squad who is not from the English league. He plays for Borussia Dortmund in Germany. Although uh, we might expect a move from Germany back to England pretty soon. And then for forwards, they've got Harry Kane, they've got Bukaya Saka, and they've got Phil Foden, they've got Raheem Sterling. This is a very, very good squad. Um, I would be willing to bet that Saka and Kane are going to be proving the biggest impact. And I, I think England, England wins this group handily. Okay, Iran. Iran... Iran did very, very good in the international games leading up to the World Cup. I forget whether they either drew with Senegal or um, beat Senegal and then drew with Uruguay or beat Uruguay, but a draw and a win between those two teams is something to be very, very happy with, and that, that's good form going into the tournament. You're going to want to see that. Um, someone to look out for would be their captain, Ali Reza. Um, he plays for Penyard in the Dutch League. Um, yeah, he's he's a bit of a stud. And then I would also check out Milad Mohamedi. I'm probably butchering that name. I'm so sorry. He plays in the Greek League for AEK Athens. Okay, the United States. Um Oh, jeez. What do I think? <laughs> Matt Turner's our starting goalkeeper. We've also got Ethan Horvath in the wings. I, I like them both, but Matt Turner's probably going to start. Um, Serginio Dest of Milan um, will be doing some work, along with Walker Zimmerman, who plays for Nashville. Uh, we've got some injuries. I'd be a little bit worried about that, but... I, I, I am very, very worried about the U.S. men's team because it essentially all comes down to they, they expect us to lose to England. They expect us to beat Wales. What happens between the United States and Iran? That will, I think that will ultimately determine the group and you're going to have to look at who we have as... Uh, forwards. Um, Giovanni Regna is probably one of our best players. He's also he likes to get injured and he's come off very recently a couple of times for Borussia Dortmund after getting injured and the U.S. men's team. I, I, I am worried about his fitness. Um, Christian Pulisic is our star but He's been riding the bench a lot at Chelsea. Chelsea's a hard, hard squad to get into, but I, I I worry about him being kind of the spark we need as well. I love Timothy Way. He plays for Wheel um, in the French League. Um, he was part of that Lille squad that won the um, French League back in 2020. And then... Um, if there's anyone else who's going to make a kind of splash, it's going to be Josh Sargent. It's going to be Brendan Aronson. Um, they're from Norwich and Leeds United, respectively. Oh, actually, no, I completely forgot. Uh, Tyler Adams of Leeds as well, and then West McKenney of Juventus. Actually, if, if I had to pick, if West McKenney has good games, he's, he's an absolute 
um, like a half. He's a great half winger, kind of like a holding midfielder. Um, if Weston does well, the United States will do well. And then lastly, we've got Wales. Wales have not been to a World Cup in 64 years. Congratulations to them. It's just getting to the World Cup is um, effort enough. I, but they, they're going to want more. They're going to want more. Wayne Hennessy of Nottingham Forest is their goalkeeper. Um, they've got Nico Williams of Nottingham Forest as well. Ben Davies, a uh, very good guy from Tottenham Hotspur. But the, the eyes that we're going to need to watch are Gareth Bale. It's, he's at LAFC. He's nowhere near to his heights they reached at Real Madrid. But he's just that X factor. And honestly, like the way the United States have played into the run-up to the World Cup, I, I could see them maybe pulling out a draw against us. And that, that terrifies me. That being said, between the four teams in the group, I, I do have to be a little bit of a homer and choose. So it, it, England obviously wins the group. And then United States just barely makes it into second. Maybe just by goal differential or something like that. All right. Group C, Argentina. Oh my gosh, it is Lionel Messi's last World Cup, and he has the best squad he has ever had around him. He's got Marcos Acuna, he's got Lissandro Martinez, he's got Nicolas Otamendi, he's got Christian Romero, he's got um, Paredes, Rodriguez, Papu Gomez, uh, Enzo Fernandez, Yulin uh, Alvarez, Angel Maria, um, Dabala. Angel Correa, Lotaro Martinez. These are, it's no longer just him and Higuain carrying the squad. He has a cast of characters in both defense, midfield, offense, and goal who are just around him. He doesn't need to shoulder the burden of his nation alone. Um, Lissandro, um, sorry, Lotaro Martinez, especially. I, I think he will make a big splash. He currently plays for Inter in the, um, that, that's the Italian league, I believe. And then uh, Angel Damaria, um, he plays for Juventus, also in the Italian league. Um, keep an eye out for those guys as well. I, I think that Argentina will win the group, and I think that they are probably, I, I want them to win the tournament, but I think another team has a better shot at winning the whole thing as a whole. Yeah. All right, Mexico. Uh, um, they've reached the group stage in every single tournament since, like, the 90s or something like that. But they're getting old. Like, all of their players are veterans. Like Ochoa, who has been to as many World Cups as Messi. He's their number one goalkeeper, and he's 37 years old. That is insanely old to be a soccer player. Um, someone else to keep an eye out for is Raul Jimenez. It's a miracle in of, of itself that he's here right now. He suffered a massive, almost like life-ending head-on collision with uh, David Luiz in 2020. It fractured his skull and required massive surgery, but he is back in the game now, and he's on the world stage it's very, very cool. And lastly, um, Lozano of Napoli. Napoli are having a killer season this year. He's 27 years old, so in his prime. I, I really, really think that if anyone's going to make the difference in Mexico, it's going to be Lozano. Um, I, I pick Mexico to get second in the group which leaves Poland at third. Poland has one of the best strikers in the world right now, Lewandowski, but they never really seem to click that much as a team. They've done, they did pretty well during the Euro, um, last Euros. Um, they've got Szczesny, they've got Matty Cash 
in defense as well, um, who who's who's English, but due to FIFA rules, if you've got um, parents or grandparents who were members, um, citizens of a certain country, you could play for that national team. So he's like, I don't think I can play for England. I'll, I'll play for Poland. He's at Aston Villa. Um, Matty Cash is pretty good. And just, it's it's essentially Milik from, actually, no, he's no longer on Napoli. Where is he at? Milik is, Milik is at Juventus right now. And it's Milik and Lewandowski. Will they be able to kind of shoulder the hopes of their nation? And I don't know. It's It's a very, very even group. Um, aside from that, no, it's not. It's a hard group. It is a hard group for Poland. I I don't think that they're going to make it out, but it is a. They there will be fun games between them and Mexico and Argentina and lastly Saudi Arabia. Not because Saudi Arabia has a very good team, but because any game against Saudi Arabia is destined to be a goal fest. I think the last World Cup they went zero and three. They did not wing win a single game um they are probably one of if not the worst teams in the tournament uh if i i, I don't know a s- single player on their team uh, i've been told that for us al burakian um from al fatih is maybe like someone to keep an eye on, but they—they're just—they're on vacation. I don't think that they will win this. I think they will go zero and three, just like they did in Russia. All right, Group D, Australia, who also made it into the World Cup by the skin of their teeth. That's not the phrase. That's besides the point, though. Um, Australia. This is the weakest the Socceroos have been in a long time. They got into the World Cup by some crazy antics by one of their goalkeepers, Andrew Redmayne. Um, if there was anyone to keep an eye on, it's probably... See, that's the thing. A lot of the old faces from the Australian national team are just too old. They, they're in a bit of a transitional period. I would... Jamie McLaren, maybe of Melbourne City. Um, I I don't know who I would pick out from the squad. Just keep an eye on. Actually, no, it's Andrew Redmayne, of course. He he did this weird thing of hopping around in goal to try to distract his opponent during a penalty shootout, and it worked out for them, and sent them onto the plane for the World Cup. So yeah, let, let's um. Let's hope for some Andrew Redmayne antics. Denmark. Denmark, also of Group D. Um, they reached the semifinals of the Euros. They've beaten France twice in the Nations League. They're in impeccable form and have something to prove. They're in their golden generation. Caster Michael in goal. Um, Andreas Christensen. Daniel Voss. Thomas Delaney, Matthias Jensen, uh, Christian Norgard, uh, Hoiberg, Lundstrom, Thulberg, Braithwaite, and of course, Christian Eriksen, who tra- tragically collapsed on the field of um, in the middle of a game in the Euros. And... He had a cardiac arrest. He was worried that he would never play again. But here he is. Um, he's got essentially like a heart defibrillator. has to be on the field all times when he's playing. But uh, apparently it's a non-issue. Um, and this happened in the middle of the Euros tournament before they went on their miracle run. So he's he's one of their best players. And even despite that, they did well without him. They've got him now. They are one of my dark horses, and I think that they are going to win the group. Um, the reason why? Well, they beat France twice in qualifying, 
and they're going to play France once more again. France is marred with a bunch of injuries. It's just come out that um, who's not playing anymore? Karim Benzema is not going to play at the World Cup. He has been ruled out for injury. Uh, Paul Pogba, um, Conte has been ruled out as well. So these are all uh, astoundingly good players. But despite that, France is so deep, they will do well anyways. Olivier Giroud, who is one of the most attractive men in soccer, goodness gracious, um, stupid sexy Giroud, um, he is like three goals away from getting France's World Cup goal scoring record. And with Karim Benzema, maybe his biggest competitor for minutes out of the way, they might lean back on Giroud. You st- and the star of the show, though, without a doubt, is Kylian Mbappe, um, one of the best players in the world right now, star of PSG. Um, I would keep an eye out for him. Antoine Griezmann's got something to prove. Um, if something goes wrong, it will be Adrian Rabio. He's more trouble than he's worth to be called up in the squad. I don't rate him that much at all. He plays for Juventus. Um, they also have an excellent goalkeeper from Tottenham and Hugo Lloris. Um, France, I'm going to pick to get second. This is a little bit of a hot take. And then I'll take Denmark at first. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. We've still got one more team left in the group. That's Tunisia. Uh, Tunisia, they might draw with... Uh, I could see them maybe drawing with Australia. Actually, no. Seeing how Australia is, I could see them beating Australia. They they do have some good players on their squad. Most notably... Um, wait, no. That's wrong. Wrong team. No, if I had to choose someone from Tunisia, it's probably Yusuf Masanki um, from Al-Arabi. He's their captain. He's their leader. Um... He, it was expected they would move to um, Europe, but Qatar offered him a massive contract in their league, so he is he is used to Doha. Um, back in the World Cup, and I, I think they will have a good showing, but they're up against Denmark and France, and there is no way they're going to make it out of group. All right, Group E. Costa Rica, they're in a um, transitional period. Their best player is their goalkeeper. They do not score that many goals. Kaylor Navas is one of the best goalkeepers out there. But the problem is he he rides the bench, perhaps unfairly, at um, Paris Saint-Germain. I don't think that they will get anything more than a draw or two. Because again, they have a, they have a young squad. Um, they're still figuring things out. It was a bit of a surprise that they made it here to begin with. Um, yeah, Costa Rica. Keep an eye on Kaylor Navas. Expect some great saves, but also expect him to maybe concede a couple as well to a team like Germany, who they're also playing. Hansi Flick is an Excellent national team manager. Manuel Neuer is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And they just, they have a a stupidly stacked squad, almost full of players from Hansi Flick's old club team that he used to coach Bayern Munich. Um, As far as forwards to keep an eye on, it's Kai Havertz of Chelsea. It's Karim Adeyemi. He's 20 years old from Borussia Dortmund. It's Serge Gnabry from Bayern Munich as well. It's Thomas Müller, um, the Reimdeuter, or the space interpreter, as you might call him. He is a workhorse. Um, he just sees... Uh, they call him the Reimdeuter, or the space interpreter, but he just sees space within the game and then picks out these excellent passes or picks out how to 
just tear apart any defense. Um, they're they're going to be a very good squad. I I would put them at like an A as well as far as like ranking where they would be in the World Cup. Japan, I don't think they're going to make it out of groups, but I will highlight one player that I really really like. It is um, he's from Real Sociedad. It's Takefusha Kobo. Um, he has emerged as a stud for the um, Basque side this year. He's 21 years old. He's just the wonder boy. Um, very, very fun to watch in La Liga. And I, I would keep an eye out for him. Um, however, I think that this next team will probably take the last spot. And that would be, that's that's France. No, not France, Spain. Spain, I would put as an S tier for winning the whole tournament. Um, they've got a really good squad. Unai Simon is their goalkeeper. They did leave out David De Gea in a bit of a shock move. I'm not sure whether I agree with that at all. Um, Cesar Azbiliqueta, Paul Torres, Jordi Alba, uh, Dani Carvajal, uh, Americ Laporte, uh, Lorente, Busquets, Ngavi, Rodri, Pedri, Koke is a very stacked squad. Uh, Danny Olmo, uh, Marco Asensio. I, I would be maybe... Hmm, goals. Murata has a mistake in him, perhaps. He's Alvaro Murata is their main goal scorer. Um... They're going to need him to step up to the plate if they want to get out of this group. However, just due to the creative prowess of their midfield and the defensive stalwarts of their back, I expect them to make it out of this group with ease. I'll take Germany in first. I'll take Spain in second. Okay, Belgium, Group F. It's the last shot for their golden generation. Everyone's getting up there between Courtois, Mignolet, um, Tobier, Eidewardeld, uh, Vertonghen, De Bruyne, Alex Witzel, uh, Thorgan Hazard, Eden Hazard. And speaking of which, Eden Hazard has not looked his best. And Lukaku, who was a standout for the 2018 World Cup, it's been rumored i don't know whether this is for sure but it's been rumored that he's not going to make it until the third game of the uh, group stage so he won't even feature in the first two games Dries mertens also all, all these players that i've mentioned they're above the age of 30 so these are all very good players but they're also very old players um mishi batsuai He's 29, so just barely under 30 years old. He is a bit of a journeyman. Um, he was at Borussia Dortmund. He was at Chelsea. He was, I think he was somewhere in Italy for a hot minute. Now he's at Fenerbahce in Turkey. But despite his lack of consistency at the club level, he does seem to turn up at a consistent rate in the international level. So I'd keep an eye out for him. I think that Eden Hazard is a bit of a... Um, I don't think that he is nearly the player that he was last World Cup. I don't think... Yeah, he's he's just not... He's, he's a former star. He's not shining anymore. Yeah. Canada... Group F, they are back in the World Cup after 36 years, and they finished above Mexico and the U.S. The reason why is a guy by the name of Alfonso Davies. He is a forward. He is at Bayern Munich, so the best club in Germany. Um, keep an eye out for him. Everyone else on their squad, is there anyone else I want to highlight? No one really. Uh, their main goalkeeper is Milan Borjan. 
Um, he plays for a club somewhere in Eastern Europe. I forget where. Croatia is also in Group F. Croatia was in the World Cup final last time. They lost to France. They are in a similar kind of dynamic as Belgium, but I don't think their problems are as bad. Um, they are an aging squad, but I rate a lot of their players better than I do Belgium's. Plus, there are less injury issues with Croatia than there are with Belgium. Um, you've got Lovren, who is he's at Zenit right now? I thought he was in... Okay, I guess Lovren's in Zenit St. Petersburg. He's playing in Russia. Um, he used to be at Liverpool, and then after that he was in the Turkish League. Luka Modric is the guy you should look out for. Former Ballon d'Or winner, just a stud of a midfielder. And then Orsic uh, from Dynamo Zagreb and Ivan Perisic, also looking pretty darn great. Uh, lastly, Budimir from Asasuna. Um, he's never played for a club in Croatia. He made an international debut at 29, but he has done very, very well at um, helping with qualification this year. I would keep an eye out for him as well. Morocco. Morocco. One of the best African squads in the world right now. Unfortunately, I do not think that they are going to make it out of groups. Um, just a little bit too stacked. Ankraf Hakimi of Paris Saint-Germain is probably one of their best players in addition with Hakim Zayic of Chelsea. I would keep an eye out for those guys. But for Group F, it's got to be Croatia at number one, and it's got to be Belgium at number two. Um, Group G, the best-ranked team in the world, the most stacked team in the world, and they they just look very, very good right now. It's, it's Brazil. They're probably going to win the World Cup. They're always one of the favorites for the World Cup. They have options for the two best goalkeepers in the Premier League as you know, at goal. So Allison and Ederson. They've got Diago Silva, Dani Alves, Marquinhos, Iter Malatano, Alexandro, Alex Tellez at defense. That is stacked defensively. Casimiro, Fabinho, Fred. It's, forget I said Fred. I don't write Fred. I don't like Fred. Um, Anthony from Manchester United, though. Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Martinelli. Um, Neymar, obviously. Rafinha, Rodrigo, Richarlson. All, oh, Vinicius Jr., of course. All amazing forwards. If there were three, I would keep an eye on. Ooh, it's definitely Neymar. He's having a season and a half. It's Vinicius Jr., he is a rising star and super fast from Real Madrid. And if you want a little bit of antics, I, I would I would check out Richarlson from Tottenham. He is a mean, mean dude. And he's very fun to watch. He's he's great if he's on your team. He's terrible if he's playing against you. Um he's a bit of a bully. He's a bit of a diva, but that's kind of what I like about him. Um, yeah. Cameroon, also Group G. Um, you have a couple good players in Chupa Moting from Bayern Munich. I'm trying to think anyone else. Um, Chupa Moting is their main, their main guy. I would also... Maybe check out, I don't know, Kwandu maybe from Besticas. They're probably not going to make it out of group on account of the next team, Serbia. They, all the attacking players are on the rise. 
over here. Um, their defense is not that great, though. Um, for Serbia, that is. So, forward-wise, you've got Alexander Mitrovic from Fulham. Uh, he has been a workhorse for my fantasy team this year. Holy cow. Luka, Luka Jovic, Dusan Tadic, uh, Dusan Vlahovic um, of the of uh, Fiorentina, Ajax, and Juventus, if I recall correctly. Yeah, those four guys, they're their four words. Um, they, they are a very, very fun offensive quadrant. Not that they're all going to be playing together. It's probably just going to be, if I had a guess, two-man strike partnership with Mitrovic starting most of the time and then Lahovic probably as well. Uh, yeah, I think that would be my guess. Um, lastly, we got Switzerland. Um, Granite Xhaka seems to show up only at World Cups. Uh, Fabian Schar, Newcastle, has gone through a little bit of a renaissance. Um, Jordan Shakiri, he's at Chicago Fire right now, if I recall correctly. Um, the Cube, <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the Cube. Also likes showing up on the international stage. So um, I would check them out. I, I don't know much about any of their strikers, except for maybe Noah Okafor, who plays for Red Bull Salzburg, who constantly just turn out amazing young talent um, out of Aus Austria. But that being said, I, I can only pick two teams for Group G. It's going to be Brazil at once. It has to be Brazil at once. It's got to be Brazil for the whole tournament if I'm picking a winner right now. And then I, 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 like, I like Serbia's offense better than I do Switzerland. Yeah, Group H, Ghana. Um, Thomas Partey at the midfield. Keep an eye out for him. Uh, Jordan Ayew. From Crystal Palace, Inyaki Williams from Athletic Bilbao. They beat out Nigeria in the playoffs, which was a bit of a surprise. I don't think that they're going to make much of a splash at all. Portugal, on the other hand, it's also Ronaldo's last tournament. He's. Uh, They've got a good squad this year. Um, the Rui Patricio, Jose Sa, and Diego Costa in goal. Um, Dalo, Pepe, Ruben Diaz uh, all in the back. Um, João Cancelo as well. Uh, Carvajalo, Ruben Neves, uh, Vettinia. Um, he's, he's new at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, and the midfielder and forwards, we've got Bernardo Silva, from Man City, we've got João Felix, who hopefully will get out of Atletico Madrid as soon as possible. And then lastly, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's honestly all eyes on Ronaldo. If he, if he makes a big splash at this World Cup, a lot of his shortcomings at Manchester United this season will be forgotten. But... And this is about as good as a squad as he's had around him for a long time. That being said, it's a hard field. But at the same time, they they make it out of groups. They do make it out of groups. South Korea probably won't. Um, they have one amazing player in Song Hyun Min from Tottenham. I've heard that there have been some injury issues with him, but apparently he will start the first game. So... Um, good for um, human son. And then lastly, we've got Uruguay. Uruguay will be the other team to make it out of groups. I'll pick Uruguay at for number one in the group. I'll pick Portugal at number two. Uh, Valverde. Check, in, um, check out for him. Alonso has one of the best midfields at the tournament right now. Um, Nunes, Suarez, Cavani. Just also all players probably at their last World Cup, well, except for Darwin Nunes, um, expect him to have kind of a breakthrough season both on the world stage and then 
at Liverpool right now as well. He's taken a little bit of time to get up and running in the English league, but um, he he's quickly proving himself. And I think that's everything. Yeah, Uruguay at one, Portugal at two. That's the World Cup. Again, dark horses for me, Denegal, um, Denmark and Senegal. I almost tried combining them both into one country. I, I Maybe because I kind of have a soft spot for both of them because Ismail Assar from Senegal and then Christian Eriksen, Denmark. But yeah, that is that is the World Cup, which means that we're now talking about Thanksgiving. Honorable mentions for... Thanksgiving appetizers, um, stuffing. I'm not that big of a stuffing guy, so stuffing just does not make it into top five. Top five, though, it's green bean casserole. You get to pretend it's healthy because there are green beans in there, but it's a casserole. It's delicious. I have a very, I have a soft spot for it. Um, at number four, it's the Waldorf salad, which is probably one of the hottest takes out there. Because no one makes Waldorf salad right. Not even the Waldorf um, Astoria, which is where um, both its namesake and where it was originally made. They make it with mayo as the base. No, you can't do that. you got to use vanilla um, yogurt. Using vanilla yogurt in a salad with um, dried fruits, grapes, nuts, and marshmallows is just a fun fruit salad. Using using mayo as the base there is almost satanic. Absolutely not. Why would you ever want to do that? No, thank you. Number three, it's rolls and biscuits. I'm all about the starch. I love I love a good roll. There's this place close to me that's a donut shop mainly that does amazing Thanksgiving rolls. And then um, if you don't do rolls but do biscuits instead, like homemade biscuits, also incredible. Oh, my gosh. And number two. We've got sweet potato casserole. Again, you pretend it's healthy because it's sweet uh, sweet potatoes, although I guess sweet potatoes aren't that healthy. But you just have that layer of um, nuts and brown sugar. I, I think some families sometimes do marshmallows at, at the top. I am a fiend for sweet potato casserole. And then last but not least, at number one, We've got mashed potatoes and gravy. It's classic. It's been there. It's done that. It's a staple not only at Thanksgiving, but pretty much every holiday gathering there is. Um, you cannot go wrong with the mashed potatoes. Oh, my gosh. And that's that's the pod this week. Um, thanks so much for listening. Uh, this is Ryan Masonkirk with Ryan Reviews the Universe. 